Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're bringing you our review of Spencer, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. We do, and if you love to hear us talk movies, please just hit that follow button while you're here. So Spencer is a fictionalised account of what takes place during three days of the Christmas holidays as the royal family convenes at Sandringham Estate in Norfolk, England. Struggling with her mental health, Princess Diana also contemplates the end of her decade-long marriage to Prince Charles. Spencer is directed by Pablo Larraín, who did Jackie a couple of years ago, Mm. starring Natalie Portman, which is a wonderful film. The screenplay is written by Stephen Knight, who wrote Allied, starring Marianne Cotillard and Brad Pitt. And he's also the creator of Gangster Period series, Peaky Blinders. Do you watch that show? I haven't seen all of it, no, but I do enjoy it. It's got a huge fan base, something Mm. I'm going to binge one day, I think, from Mm. top to bottom. Spencer stars Kristen Stewart. Timothy Spall, Jack Farthing, Sean Harris, Stella Ganey, and Sally Hawkins. Before we go in to talk about the film, mm-hmm. obviously Princess Diana is this huge public figure. Mm. There's been a lot of buzz about this movie yeah. since it premiered at Cannes. Yeah. Were you nervous? Did you have all these preconceived notions thinking that it's this type of movie, this type of movie? Did you go in and were surprised by what product was delivered? I think... What we've discussed on the podcast previously when the casting was announced was a bit of hesitation that an American was doing Diana because Mm. it it doesn't always work so well. She's such a huge personality, as you said, Mm. and she's so recognisable, so beloved. It's a really, really big undertaking. 
from what I'd seen and the little teasers we got, I knew she was going to do a fantastic job. And she absolutely proved that. Yeah. There is so much that I want to discuss about with this film, but mm. let's just start at the beginning. Yeah. So this is not a docudrama or a biopic. Mm. It prefaces at the start of the film that it's, and I say this in quotes, a fable from a true tragedy. Mm. What did you take that to mean? Well, I, I've reflected more on that after the film had ended because I wasn't expecting the sort of film to be delivered that was mm. because Pablo Larraín, the director, clearly lent into creative license yes. and fictionalising what he might think took place over mm-hmm. the, those couple of days. And it sets up that it's inspired by her story and her mm-hmm. essence and her persona, but it is an interesting take on it. Yeah, and are there lessons to be learnt from a film like this? Because Diana and Charles's marriage was the fairy tale come true of the mm. 80s and the director describes it himself as an upside-down fairy tale because then she went out and she built her own identity. Yeah. And that was the fairy tale. That was the fairy tale, that's right. And you kind of see that gestating and blossoming, what what she wants. She wants mm. to so badly to be free and this film really shows how shackled she is mm to the traditions of the monarch and mm. it's quite a tragic tale. It is. And and whether the details are accurate or not, mm. and a lot of them probably aren't, she is living in a crushing environment and mm. it's severely impacting her mental health. That much we know about Diana was true. Yeah. And that overarching idea was true enough to be the foundation of this movie and the bigger picture of this movie. Mm. How he got there is entirely creative choice. Yeah. And did you like those creative choices that he took us on? Yeah, they were really fascinating. One thing, you know, that I really wanted to know whether it was true or not was the weighing tradition. So... Yeah, is that wild, isn't it? Yeah. So at the beginning and end of the weekend, everyone was required to be weighed and they had to put on like a kilo and a half by the end of the weekend to prove that they had a good time. And for a woman who very publicly suffered from bulimia Mm. and people were aware of it, it's just so barbaric to force her to weigh herself. That is just deeply disturbing, isn't it? And how that's portrayed, her bulimia is portrayed in this Mm. film and it is harrowing to watch. It's really uncomfortable. I mean, there's no way in hell that after the Christmas period would I want to be weighed. Mm. Uh, I I (laughs) heavily indulged myself. I tell you what, I put more than one and a half kilos on. Same, same. (laughs) There's an interesting metaphor as well that Princess Diana uses in this film that her wings and her legs are being plucked off to see how she reacts. So her dresser is taken away from her, who is a a confidant for her, her only ally Mm. in this whole situation. Mm. Her curtains are sewn shut because they mention that photographers are trying to take a photo of her and she very uh, defiantly says, well, maybe I will shut them and maybe I won't. But of course she doesn't want to be photographed naked. She's just trying to have some semblance of control over her situation. Mm. I mean, the director uses such beautiful symbolism and really just simple moments in the story to highlight just how twisted Mm. her life was and the pain and suffering that she was going through. She was... Yeah, shackled, like I said. It was so upsetting to see her mm. endure such, like, can I say, really silly shit. Yeah. Like, it was just really silly. That's getting mm. drowning in tradition of mm-hmm. the monarch just kind of seems so archaic, especially mm. now. But even still then, she could see right through it and being, this isn't the life I want. Yeah. She was having an absolute identity crisis and this film 
helps you realise the sort of identity mm. that she wanted to live with her and her children. One of the things that I guess is irritating to the royal family is that she keeps them waiting a <laughs> yeah. lot. And I can see why she would have done that. You know, that's one of the only semblances of control that she has over this situation mm. and what to wear. You know, she's dictated that she has to wear these certain things in the morning, for lunch, for dinner, and she switches them around yeah. because she doesn't feel like wearing them. And yeah. it may seem very trivial trivial and defiant, maybe a bit bratty, but mm. it's the only control that she has over herself and her life in this situation. Yeah. So you say bratty. Did, did you feel that at certain times or did you feel that empathy no. that you knew that th- this is all she can do? Yeah, complete empathy. I mean bratty mm. from the royal family's perspective. Of course. Right, got you. Yeah. I really love the encounters that she had with the royal family because they were mute. They were silent. Mm. It was just looks. It was just tension. That that scene around the dinner table, that first dinner party scene, you could cut the tension with a yeah. knife. It was so <laughs> incredible. And that's another interesting creative choice is that she doesn't really interact with anyone in the royal family, at least directly, mm. until at least an hour into the movie. Is that the conversation she has with Prince Charles um, or the Queen? I can't remember exactly. Mm. But, yeah, there there isn't anyone that she really directly interacts with apart from her kids and the staff yeah. until at least an hour in. And I found wow. that so fascinating. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Pablo uses such incredible cinema techniques to show the vastness of the space she was in, yet how claustrophobic it was. Mm. And her being presented as being so alienated from her space was so beautifully realised in this film and it just holds so much more Mm. weight than you realise, like just how isolated and alone she was Mm. and who she confided in. And she really confided in her children, didn't she? How beautiful was that? Absolutely gorgeous. And you've hit the nail on the head there that it's the physical manifestation of her disconnect from the royal family. Yeah. Again, that symbolism. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Dripping in symbolism. So, Larain is fascinated by women who have changed the 20th century and both Jackie Kennedy, Onassis and Princess Diana began with the traditional fairy tale story, as we Mm. said, and then built their identities separate to the men they married. What do you think about his choice to follow these kind of stories? I think Pablo has a deep fascination with these women, these moments in history, just like the rest of us. But he Mm. comes into that with such a big challenge because... He challenges himself, he challenges the narrative, he challenges our preconceived notions and I think he just wants to dig really deep into the psychology of these women to unlock a part of who we think they might be and let us in. But have a little have a little bit of fun with it. Maybe that's not it, but have some pizzazz with it. Like there's this so yeah, yeah, like there's just so much atmosphere that he creates around these women mm. within how he shoots his film and how he tells a story. You know, things like just that beautiful, oh my gosh, Lee, that beautiful montage of Diana dancing. Oh, yes, we've you got know, to talk about goodness that. Goodness me. Like that that's the sort of thing that he chooses to do about these women mm. that you may not have ever seen before. And it's just so grateful that he's showing us. Yeah, I really enjoyed that montage of her dancing and running. And again, yes. that's more symbolism, you know, mm. representing her longing and decision to finally break free. Yeah. Or it could just be an excuse to trot out these iconic outfits that Diana wore. <laughs> yeah. Because we had to shoehorn them in somehow. Yeah, maybe a balance of the two, mm. yeah. Some more of the creative choices. I mentioned mm. a bit earlier about the curtains being sewn shut. Mm. I saw that as being representative of her light being extinguished and feeling trapped. Mm. So, I mean, I wonder, would they really have done that? How bizarre. I, I hope not. 
I really hope not, but yeah. it makes you question, is it too far from the truth? It's just shitty gaslighting behaviour, isn't it? Yeah, it's awful. Oh, and we've got to talk about Timothy Spall's character. Yes. In a moment, but I just want to talk mm. about another piece of symbolism. Mm, okay. The necklace, the pearl necklace. Mm. The fact that she physically felt choked by it and weighed down mm-hmm. and how Kristen Stewart performed those sorts of oh, b- breaking free from it. The context mm. is that Charles had also bought the same pearl necklace for Camilla, yeah. who he ultimately marries later on in life. He had an affair mm. with her, all those sorts of things. So that was the symbolism of the royal family, of his hold on her, mm. and that he really didn't give a shit, but, you know, she breaks away mm. from it. It's just stunning. You say you didn't give a shit, but I found some real empathy in the performance of Jack Farthing as okay. Prince Charles, and, and we'll get to that. But first we have to just talk about the star of the show, Kristen Stewart. Oh, yes. Okay, please. so... As we've said before, she just embodies the spirit of Diana. She isn't a carbon copy. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, she's not meant to be. And Mm. it's bloody close though. Yeah, she she really disappears into the role completely. Mm. And even though it's not a carbon copy, it felt incredibly familiar that you were watching Princess Diana. Her accent, she nailed the mannerisms and just her general physicality Mm. was completely embodied of Diana. Yeah. Is it a flawless portrayal? No, I don't think so. But this is a fictionalised portrayal and it's a bloody incredible Mm. transformation. The director has said that he cast Stuart because of her mystery, fragility and strength. And that's just something unique about her as an actor that just makes her so compelling to watch in anything. I completely agree. And Pablo also said of Kristen's performance that she held such dramatic and narrative weight just with her eyes. Mm. Doesn't that really give you a sense of what you're in for with this performance? She really is one of the best actors of her generation. One thing I will say, I didn't think, and this is like so friggin' minor, but I Mm. didn't think the cadence was quite right in some scenes. Mm -hmm. I always thought that Diana spoke slowly and quite shyly and it became very fast and very clipped and I could see Kristen Stewart coming through in some of that performance. Yeah. Did, did you disconnect from what she was trying to do? A little bit. A little bit. distracted? A, just a little bit, but oh my God, it's so minor. Yeah. So minor. Like yeah. she's bloody incredible. What she really delivers beautifully is that vulnerability and deep loneliness and mm. she betrays that with such honesty, wouldn't you say? Yeah, she's oh, amazing. She will get nominated for an Oscar. She bloody better after the SAG Awards snub. snub. That's insane. Yeah, ridiculous. So I mentioned Jack Farthing as Prince Charles. He's in limited scenes, but I just really thought he managed to bring some depth to the character. You know, he's Mm. not unsympathetic, but he can't support Diana in the way that she needs. And Mm. he knows his limitations as a man, as a father. He's obviously having an affair. He's got some guilt with that. Yeah. And he also really understands the bond she has with the kids and that she provides that kind of physical love that he can't. So he does step aside at one point. Yeah, you can kind of see through his performance that he is surrendering to something that he can't control. Control is such a big theme of this film. She's feeling controlled by him, by the monarch, by the people, Mm. the expectation around her. And, yeah, he can't control her anymore and it almost lets her free without saying it because he just knows she's off. Yep, That's it. That's the end. And we'll work through it. So since you've said that, Mm. I I, I do understand how you felt that empathy through his Mm. performance. It definitely was there. I mean, his behaviour is not great. We know the story. but (laughs) You talked about Kristen and the children Mm. earlier. One of my favourite scenes, and apparently it was almost completely ad-libbed when they're playing that 
game on the floor with mm-hmm. the candle lit surrounds. And it was just, you saw her connecting with, with the children mm-hmm. so motherly, so tenderly that they were almost the, the moments of her performance and in this film that took me by surprise because mm. they were just so genuine. I'll agree with you there, but that's the moment I'm talking about when it oh, pulled me out of it because it. I thought, oh, it's just too clipped. It's too fast. But she had an incredible relationship with these kids. Yeah. I just believed the relationship immediately. Yeah, me too. Me too. More than once, there's some really lovely <sighs> moments of connection. Really emotional scenes yes. too. Oh God, I'm getting emotional now. I wonder what would have happened if she didn't have the kids. Goodness. Well, yeah, that's a story untold, unwritten. Okay, let's talk about Timothy Spall, the, yeah. vil- the villain of the piece, if you will. <laughs> he plays uh, Major Alastair Gregory mm. and he's the voice and the right hand of the royal family during this weekend and I felt he was just gaslighting her the whole time, basically. Yeah, he was perfectly uptight, mm. wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much is his idea of duty and, and what instructions were being handed down to him? Yeah. He had to keep Diana on the straight and narrow surrounding all the expected Mm. traditions, the weighing in and all that sort of stuff, being on time. Mm. Did you feel, though, in his performance, did he start to soften at the end? Well, that's what I wonder. Mm. I found it really hard to know whether he was being caring in some ways in his own way. Mm. Or whether he was just an asshole, Because uh, quite often all the supporting cast, and there's a few more we'll mention, but they were more real. They were more real than anyone. They didn't have their walls up like the other characters did. Mm. And so I wonder whether that connection that Diana clearly demonstrated and had with the staff, let's say, Mm. I did feel he had a very slight slither of that sentiment at the end because he had to because everyone else around him within the staff mm. did and yeah it was it was very nuanced it was very minimal like he understood but he yes. was bound by duty he was completely bound by mm. duty yeah. and such a steadfast performance by timothy spile oh. is extraordinary we also have sally hawkins an incredible actress who played maggie yeah princess diana's dresser and she's a close confidant of princess diana she's also integral to a final plot twist which i won't give away mm. that is a bit left field thematically yeah. but it illustrates a larger point i think that there is love and support for diana outside of the isolation that she's feeling other than diana and her children in this film that was the most beautiful relationship i loved mm. being fostered in this film there was a real sincere affection that they had for mm. each other and just to echo your sentiments about that scene i was shocked i wasn't expecting to be shocked in this film mm. but that was it was a shock, but boy, it was written beautifully. Yeah. You know, like you oh. – And it's another creative tool, as I said, to, to yeah. show this larger picture that there is love for her in the world. Yes. There is someone there for her. There are people there for her. Yeah, that's right. Let's talk about the music for just a second because mm. it's also a big part of this film. The score is by Johnny Greenwood, who is the lead guitarist of Radiohead. Oh. And he also was the composer of The Power of the Dog, another incredible right. film with incredible Beautiful music. Score. Yep. And Licorice Pizza. Ah. So his score in this is just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. You know, it's chaotic with cymbals and Mm. trumpets when she's spiralling, but then it's really hymn-like when she goes home and then light and fun and contemporary when she's with the kids. Oh, it's it's such a beautifully realised score. When the title Spencer came up, Mm. Lee, in the mist, and then there were a lot of sharps in the score – 
and it offered a really unsettling feeling. So mm. it's really unexpected the sorts of tones yep. that the score takes you on that emotional journey. Incredibly atmospheric, just like yes. Pablo. That's what his films are. They are full of atmosphere. And when you say atmospheric, that's another element that we didn't really discuss, but there's kind of a supernatural. Oh my gosh, yes. Can we talk about that? Element to this? Yeah. So she's being likened to Anne Boleyn, who of course lost oh. her head at the hands yes. of uh, King Henry. Henry VIII. Yeah. And she starts to see Anne Boleyn around. And there is rumours of ghosts at Sandringham okay, Estate. That so that's right? where that comes from. That's where he's pulled that from, which is just so fascinating. I love all the creative choices that he's made in this film. Speaking of the supernatural, but maybe more a window into her mental state. But mm. and, and we'll talk about costumes in a sec as well because mm. her father's jacket was such a, an incredible symbol in this movie mm. where she talks to the jacket. Yeah. You know, she has a relationship with her father through this, this memory, this jacket that she has. And, yeah, I, d- I just love those creative choices. They added so many layers to it. Goodness <laughs> me, this movie. <laughs> we keep coming back to the creative choices. Yeah. Pablo Larraín is just, oh, done an incredible job here. He really has. So costumes. We mentioned earlier that there's this beautiful montage and dancing running scene where she has all these iconic outfits that we mm. we know her for. Yeah. The wedding dress, of course, the yes. beautiful black dress where she's dancing with John Travolta the yellow outfit when she meets Prince Charles. It's just gorgeous. Jacqueline Duran was the costume designer. She's done Atonement. Oh, I and love I that movie. I don't know if you remember that stunning green dress that Kira Knightley wears in that film. That was huge at the time, that mm-hmm. dress. Mm-hmm. She's done Beauty and the Beast and Little Women, and she's also doing the upcoming The Batman. Oh, wow. That's a bit of a departure yeah. from period pieces. But I'm so interested now. Well, I love what we've already seen, just as yeah. a digression of the costumes in The Batman, which is out in March. So can't wait to delve into that one. But for me, Lee, the costumes just held so much more weight Mm. to them than I ever anticipated. It was more than just replicating those iconic looks Mm. or or showcasing a period of time, the 80s, the 90s. They they drove the plot. You know, the father's jacket, the pearl necklace, you know, all those things. Mm. They were characters in of themselves and it was just, yeah, Stunning. The outfits that she's being forced to wear and you look at them and you think, my God, I'd wear that in a heartbeat. But you can see why she doesn't want to. Well, and because everything's predetermined for her, right? You need to wear this dress uh, for breakfast and then for lunch it's this Mm. one. And you mentioned earlier that she mixes it up. So the the costumes form so much part of her taking control as well Mm. or trying to. Mm. It elevates costume like I've never seen in a film before. Did you ever find yourself getting frustrated though, especially when she rebelled and wore the wrong outfit to one event and then the dresser would not leave her alone. She was going to help her. She was actually going to like put her in the dress and I felt like going – your princess Diana, tell her to get out of the room. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. she, that wasn't her personality. No, it wasn't. She was really, she was so kind. Mm. Yes, I, I was frustrated. Mm. Yeah. because And I was also, I felt like I didn't want her to get into trouble yeah. either. But it, but then you had to surrender to the fact that she's making this choice. She's a grown woman. Yeah. And then you end up backing her rather than feeling sheepish for her. Yeah. You're like, yeah, girl, you go. But at the end of the day, she's a member of the royal family and Mm. they should be respecting her. But I guess the orders are coming down from higher. Yes, that's right. Queenie. Mm. (laughs) All right, Lee, I can sense neither of us want to stop talking about this (laughs) film, but we do need to wrap up our take on it and rate it. 
So Spencer is only a small speculative glimpse of what Princess Diana's inner and outer life must have been like at this time. It's only three days, but as the director says, it's a life reflected in few days. Kristen Stewart's transformation is absolutely incredible, and she once again proves why she's one of the best actors of her generation. And I just really hope that she gets nominated for an Oscar because, oh God, she bloody deserves it. I'm giving Spencer four popcorn kernels out of five. Oh, I love that, Samantha. And Lee, I adored this film so much. It is decadent, it's tragic, it is funny at times, very moving and commanding in its storytelling techniques. Pablo Larraín has directed a deeply sad yet uplifting tale of hope, pain and love. Kristen Stewart is a revelation and hooks you into her performance as a suffocated Diana who yearns to be free. She will receive her first Oscar nomination. We're manifesting that clearly (laughs) here. This film leaves you feeling so many things and it stays with you long after the credits roll. And I love that about cinema. I'm going to rate Spencer four and a half popcorn kernels. Well, there you have it. Spencer is in Australian cinemas now. And obviously we recommend that you go and see it immediately. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right, Lee, shall we dive into our news and trailer section for the episode? Let's do it. Daniel Craig of Harry Potter fame is set to play, get this, Lee, Weird Al Yankovic in the biopic Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Weird Al is the biggest selling comedy recording artist of all time and is known for his parody songs, including Like a Surgeon and Eat It. What do you think about this casting choice? I fucking think it's sensational. I think he's going to do a really good Isn't job. Isn't he just? I just want to see him with really long curly hair <laughs> and a, and a moustache. Yes. <laughs> The film will be available on the Roku channel streaming service, but no word yet on where we'll be able to see it in Australia, but I hope we can. I've seen Weird Al live. Have you? And it is such an experience. Really? I can't wait to see Daniel like embody Weird Al, and I hope that we see some performances, like him actually performing to crowds, because there's so much energy, and I think I also saw, so I'm going on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> I have seen Daniel Radcliffe on Broadway and he is oh. fantastic. Is that in Equus? No, not Equus. How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Oh, yeah, okay. he was he was excellent. So that, get, that makes me even more excited about his casting Great. here. Now, Westpac Open Air Cinema is now on in Sydney where you can see huge films such as No Time to Die, House of Gucci and Matrix Resurrections set against the stunning backdrop of Sydney Harbour as the sun goes down. There are also delicious dining and drink options. It really is a great experience. Sydney has it also. Westpac Open Air will also host the Australian premiere of Kenneth Branagh's ensemble mystery Death on the Nile on February 8 and an early preview screening of Cyrano on Valentine's Day. Visit westpacopenair.com.au to grab your tickets. Now, Tim, it's been announced this week that the Batman has a runtime of two hours and 55 minutes. Why, DC? Why? Does this make you nervous? A little. I mean, they've got a lot to pack in. I think every villain is in this film, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah. Catwoman, Penguin, the Riddler. Mm. Yeah, there's a few in there. Clearly, the story is way more like involved than we ever anticipated. Yeah. Let's call it a three-hour movie. You know, we're talking Lord of the Rings. Do we need a three-hour movie, though? I hope that by the end, they'll be like, we needed that. Yeah, but I, I hope don't. So. I don't want to be at the end going, they could have trimmed 20 minutes. That, that's what I really don't 
I want. It seems to be a trend these days that the films are getting up to three hours pretty regularly. And look, I love films as much as the next guy. I mean, hello, we've got a podcast. It's my whole career. <laughs> but it's very often the case that it's not needed. Yes. Hopefully not in this case. Yeah, <laughs> now, composer Michael Giacchino has also revealed the full theme tune. Pretty epic. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there are flavours that we've seen in the trailer, but it goes to places I wasn't expecting. And you can really feel some strings or vibes from other Batman films too. Oh. Did you recognise some of the older tunes in there? I didn't. I'm going to have another re-listen. It's just little flavours, oh, but see, it just that. it brings it all together. You know what I felt? What? I really genuinely felt, Lee, that at times the score felt like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Incredibly orchestral and full. Yeah. Yeah, it, it took me there. I think this film's going to be epic. Epic to our 55-minute movie. Bring it on. <laughs> All right. What else has been announced this weekly? So, there is a live adaptation coming of Disney animation, The Aristocats. Okay. Why are we getting a live action film about animals? You know where this is where I'm going with this? Yeah. The Lion King. I thought you were going to say cats. Do we have another cat situation on our hand? Will there be a butthole cut of The Aristocats? <laughs> Not for Disney. <laughs> Not for Disney. Butthole free. I haven't seen the cartoon. We haven't. It's I a haven't. classic. Yeah, I know. It's on my to watch list. Are there people in the film? Mm, my memory is a bit wishy-washy from yeah. that far away. Uh, I wasn't around for the original <laughs> release, <laughs> but I did watch it when I was a kid. The original film was in 1970 and it follows aristocratic cats living the pampered life in Paris uh, when their owner's butler finds out the cats will receive a massive fortune, he kidnaps them and abandons them in the country and they have to find their way home. Okay, that sounds like fun. Yeah. I actually didn't even know the plot of okay. the film. So there you go. There you go. I'm excited. Bring on the live action version mm. of animals again. <laughs> we'll see. I'd be interested to know what percentage of Disney's production budget is going towards just remaking their old IP now. Are they really out of ideas that they're like? I don't think they back. are, but I think they're just really riding this train. The thing is, people are showing up to watching them. They're making a lot of money. So, well, of yeah. course, they're not going to stop. Well, okay. I saw a comment on Twitter recently that commented on that. You know, mm -hmm. people complain that these shit movies are being made, but they go and see them. Yeah. And I would argue that I see everything. I give mm -hmm. everything a shot, you even do. if it looks a bit crap. Mm -hmm. So, of course... That's what they're relying on. They're relying on people going to see it to see if it's okay. Mm. Do you know what I mean? How can you know that it's shit before you've seen it? That's so true. We do tend to judge really quickly when a trailer comes out or a poster yeah. or character art and you're like, oh, this movie looks shit. I mean, I've just done it. I'm like, oh, it's just going to be another Lion King live action <laughs> mm. with cats. So I'm guilty of it too, but I'll see it. But then, of course, the box office numbers are misrepresenting mm. the real sentiment and that's what these movies are getting funded on, yeah. the box office figures because yeah. people are going to see it but they might not like it they should be funding these projects based on you know the zeitgeist feeling towards them i guess i don't know yeah there's a lot to unpack there. there's a whole episode to <laughs> delve into that whole thing that's actually really interesting yeah but i mean of course box office numbers are huge i wonder how this one will perform though it doesn't scream billion dollar blockbuster but moving on to our last piece of news we have previously discussed the casting of kit bag which is ridley scott's upcoming napoleon Bonaparte film starring Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby. But now the director has decided to rename the film as simply Napoleon. Good choice. Good choice. Because we were like, Kit Bag? <laughs> so. Well, the obscure title Kit Bag actually came from the saying, there is a general staff hidden in every soldier's kit bag. Uh, but this will probably work better. I guess that means, you know, every soldier has to be willing to step up. 
if needed. Sorry, I'm going to sound really dumb, but I still don't understand what a kit bag is even with that. Is it a pouch? No, I guess it's with all your, like your gun in it and your ammunition and your whatever you need to be in the trenches, I guess. Your utility belt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's more than a belt. Okay. (laughs) Kit bag, more than a belt. It's your backpack. <laughs> Imagine if you named this film Backpack. Backpack. Adora the Explorer would be really pissed. <laughs> that's her thing. <laughs> oh, on that note, guys, that's another episode of Popcorn Podcast where we reviewed Spencer. It is in Australian cinemas now. We implore you to go and experience this film and the incredible, masterful performance that Kristen Stewart delivers. Absolutely outstanding. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.